one of the biggest pivotal moments was 2019, January to August. I had this really long internship. It was with a defense contractor. And if you're a software engineer, like there's really not more of a boring space to be a software engineer than to work for a defense contractor. So I was just sitting there in my cubicle every day and I was like, I hate this. So that's when I started the Beyond the PDD podcast with uh, with my roommate at the time, Bryce Tui. I was like, I need to talk to these people somehow and I can't just hit them up and be like, yo, talk to me and take your time. We talked to like all the, Sykes had like a huge wave of millionaire traders and like we talked to them all in like 2019 when they were like really low six figures, like right around $100,000. There was Dom, Jack, Kyle, and it was, that was another huge pivotal moment because then those guys I was like idolizing, I was like, man, they're like real people. You're listening to the Steady Trade Podcast, a podcast that inspires traders to make meaningful strides and pursue their passions. Your hosts are Tim Bowen, the lead trainer at Stocks to Trade Pro, Kim Ann Curtin, the Wall Street coach, and Steven Johnson, the up-and-coming trader who's always willing to learn. Together, we'll sit down with experts to talk about their process, the lessons they've learned, and discuss how all traders can level up their trading careers. Welcome back to the Steady Trade Podcast, everyone. I am Tim Bowen, back here with Kim and Steven, and we've got a guest that, uh, you know, uh, one of those one of those young guys and girls, there's a lot of them out there, young people, I should say, I don't want to, I, I, I've been, I've been on the verge of getting canceled the last couple of weeks. So young people, young humans, as we may say, um, uh, that, that truly inspire me with their work ethic, their devotion. Um, you know, again, Matt's another one of those young people, young men that, uh, you know, started out doing a podcast, started out learning trading. Most of you are probably familiar with Matt, but I met him, I want to say three years ago ish when he asked me to appear, appear on the Beyond the PDT podcast. And I, I look back then and I just remember, I was like, I was so impressed with his and Bryce's mindset. You know, here they are in college, they're trading, they're writing, they're podcasting. That's that kind of, and, and listen, I don't care what you're doing. If you, if, but if you're doing that kind of stuff, you know, I talk about the Gary V model, you know, here's Gary V multimillionaire. He's out yard sailing on the weekends and selling baseball cards but but that mindset you know and and great book by the way I still remember Gary V's book from a few years ago was one of the things that really got me thinking about going you know selling my business and doing something else but that being said Matt Monaco here today again I'm guessing a lot of you might be familiar he's been doing the twist podcast for geez I think over a year now ish and um, you know, got gonna get caught up with Matt. We've not, I think we've ever actually had him had him on the Steady Trade podcast. So um, get caught up with Matt, and then he's got some interesting stuff to talk about going into 2021. Speaking of projects, and always looking to do new things and learn and explore. So welcome, welcome back, or welcome aboard, Matt. I think it's the first yeah. time on 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 the, uh, the the Degenerate podcast with Kim, Stephen, and Tim. <laughs> Um, I was on it with Bryce, I but then my, so my first solo episode, uh, okay. it was like 103, I think, but yeah, first solo time on here. Yeah. So, I got a lot yeah, of brain, I got a lot of brain damage, you know, a lot of head injuries. <laughs> yeah, it happens. You got pop more of your uh, alpha brain. I think I that's do. the problem. Like <laughs> I, I actually pop in those things, man. Got it right there. Yeah. Is Hook there a up. limit Hook. on how many you can take? Or? Um, I haven't pushed it yet, but I've come close. So <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I once I once think I saw Jesus with butterfly wings when I took like 12 of them, but I don't know that that's neither here nor there. So good to have you here. Matt. There you go. Really yeah, good. Uh, thank just, you. Absolutely. Just one thing from me. Um, Matt Monaco is one of the one of the I don't want to say one of the original few, but one of the one of the original few for me, one of the first that could like turn real, real profit long to the long sides. I remember Roland Wolf came out of the blocks and I was like, wow, you can make money long on penny stocks. But then Matthew Monaco also followed. And then 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 many came after that. Obviously, Bowen, Sykes, well, before that. But then um, Bryce Tui followed that. Dan Irish followed that. So you followed a new wave of all of these people who are making money long in the markets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, so... I mean, you mentioned Roland Wolf originally, like that was basically the inspiration. Uh, like I started, um, I joined the Tim challenge 
And that was like roughly 2017 time. And 2017 was when we had the original Bitcoin madness. Um, and that was just a really hot market basically for the entire year. And that's when Roland took off. I want to say it's over like $4,000, really small account. And by the end of the year, he was like three, 400,000. I was like, wow, like that's crazy. That's impressive. And it was just like <laughs> really inspirational for me uh, because at that time there wasn't many other examples. Uh, there was like Stephen Ducks, but he was like shorting with huge size and Gratani was shorting and they just much larger accounts. And it just like, I like it works. I wasn't saying it. I'm not saying it doesn't work. It's just for someone with a small account, it's a lot well, and I think difficult. It, and, and I think it, it probably helps because you kind of you were there kind of seeing it a little more real time, too. Right. Yeah. You know, you were kind of totally, watching totally. it happen with Roland, in essence. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I went through, um, I, you know, super new. So I didn't know much about the market in 2017. But I remember going through all his trades and like just trying to figure out why he was getting in these stocks, um, which is crazy because now I trade like 15 feet away from Roland down here in Austin in our office, which is just, it's pretty crazy. Uh, just everything that's happened over the last like three, four years. That's all because of work um, ethic though. I mean, again, you know, and, yeah. and, and, not, and not to get, not to derail us. I'm the king of derailing us, but to everyone out there, listen, and again, whether it's stocks or whatever it is, I don't care what it is. If you show up every day, you put in the work, if you love what you do and you grind and you grind and you grind and, and I'll say it a million times in this podcast. I've been working with Matt, you know, again for closely for three years now. And it's like always, always on his A game. If they text, it's like an instant reply. And, you know, and, and it's like any, any, oh, and no, ex, no excuses. No, you know, no nothing. It's like, yep, let's get it done. And there's your lesson for the entire podcast. Do that. And then all of a sudden you're telling stories like Matt, where you're like, I can't believe now I, here I am. I've relocated a couple of times. I'm living the dream. You know, I'm, I'm doing all these things. I'm meeting all these people and hard work pays off, man, at the end of the day. So. I agree. I think that's a great lesson. Um, and what I tell a lot of people is a lot of people ask me like, you know, I'm struggling the usual thing after like six months to a year. I'm like, you just got like, you got to stick with it. And I think that's why so many people fail. Cause like, I mean, you can get it in the first year, but it's such a rarity. Like you're really not going to get it. It's going to take you a couple of years to figure it out. Um, and also like you're at the mercy of the market. Like I'm not blind to the fact that the market was just insane for the last year, but because I, like you said, I was working hard for like three years when that market came, uh, I was like, I was prepared at least a lot more than like other people who were just, you know, goofing off and not studying and not looking at the market. Uh, so I was able to take advantage of it. And now that's slowed down, like I'm trading a lot less um, and just taking it easy. But it really does all come back to that hard, like work ethic. You really got to put in the hours. It's, well, it's really and, the only. There, there, there's a million, there's a million, sorry, Kim, but I mean, there's a million quotes, you know, it's like, you gotta, you gotta put in that time and then you're ready for 2021 where if you're just screwing around, Oh, there's not much going on. And then all of a sudden 2020 or 2020, sorry, happens. Now you're not ready. I mean, I mean, but that, that, that whole, you know, preparation, I mean, there's a million quotes, but go ahead, Kim. Sorry. Yeah. Just curious, Matthew, if you look back over the, the last couple of years where there pivotal moments that happens where you made certain choices that put you on this trajectory? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, going back to 2017, I was a freshman year. In, uh, I was in my freshman year in college. Um, I was studying software engineering, which I liked. Like, uh, I'm writing this chapter for one of Tim Sykes' books right now, and I was trying to like explain it. Like, I always just wanted to basically be rich. And at the time, like, I thought software engineering was a great route to go. It's a great career. I mean, there's still a ton of opportunity in it, especially if you start your own company. So that's why I studied software engineering for the most part. But when I was studying it, I was like, man, this like kind of sucks. Like, I don't really like it. Like I was, well, hey, I mean, it, listen, it just listen software engineering is an incredible way to get rich. If you want to build a conglomerate evil empire, stealing people's private information, pitting women, men, family members, friends against each other and tearing apart the entire fabric of the country then hey start another facebook <laughs> well, man it's a great idea. Just be a the, the money's great the money's great or be a trader and take from people who don't have money 
<laughs> exactly. Valid point. No. Complete, we're, we're, we're against damn the hedge it, funds. It, Let's not forget that. We're against the hedge funds. We're not against the people. You, you completely ruined, invalidated my point, Steve. <laughs> anyways but yeah so like 2017 i was just like not like i guess happy it was okay but again i just wasn't passionate about it so that's originally why i got into the market uh and i was i had an interest in that for several several years dating back to like high school uh when i took like wall street classes and i just was always interested in it yeah um so that was one pivotal moment for sure just taking the jump uh from there uh there's like a solid two and a half year period like i like lost money barely made money uh, and during that period, like it sucks, like for two and a half years, not making money, like there's no way around it. It's, it's not fun. Like, but I was passionate about the market and I saw people like rolling wolf coming up and all those guys just like crushing it. And I was like, man, like if they can do it, like, why can't I? So I stuck yeah. with it. Uh, and then one of the biggest pivotal moments was 2019, January to August. I had this really long internship, which was just like part of my curriculum to graduate. I need like a full year. And I think I busted out like eight or nine months of it right there. It was with a defense contractor. And if you're a software engineer, like there's really not more of a boring space to be a software engineer than to work for a defense contractor. Uh, like it's not Silicon Valley. It's, it's really boring. And so I was just sitting there in my cubicle every day and I was like, I hate this. Like this really does suck. And that was when I was like, I really don't want to be a software engineer. On the light side, did, did you, did you help overthrow any like third world governments or anything like that or not? Um, the any good CIA opera- was, operations anything like that uh it was for like we were like redesigning like australia's like communication system or something yeah, right. so it wasn't even for like the united states it was like a contracted out so it was super boring it was with radios and i was like man this just like it's, it's just boring <laughs> like i can't do this forever um so that's when i started the beyond the pdd podcast with uh with my roommate at the time bryce tui uh who i think you had on like last week or something yep, yeah, but um that's when I started it because I was like, I need to talk to these people somehow. And I can't just hit them up and be like, yo, talk to me and take your time. So we devised a plan to make the podcast. Um, and it's still up on YouTube. Uh, I don't think it's anywhere else, but you can still see the episodes. There's no video. It's really just audio. Uh, but we talked to like all the Sykes had like a huge wave of millionaire traders. And like, we talked to them all in like 2019 when they were like, really low six figures, like right around a hundred thousand dollars. There was Dom, Jack, Kyle, um, bone was on it. Like we talked to a ton of these guys. Um, and it was, that was another huge pivotal moment because then those guys, I was like idolizing, I was like, man, they're like real people. They're like real traders. Um, and because they came on the podcast, I developed like good friendships with a lot of them, like Jack and Kyle and Dom specifically, like we talked pretty much every day following them coming onto the podcast and, like kind of just injecting myself into that friendship is really like what helped me then over the next like six months, get out of my hole a little bit. And then like September, 2019, uh, because I was then profitable at the time, plus, uh, the money I saved for my internship, I crossed PDT. And that was a huge moment because for the first like three years I was involved in this, I was below the PDT rule, which again, just sucks. Like there's no way around it. Like the lessons I learned were great and I'm not like, I don't regret it, but when you're under the PDT rule sucks, like it just does. Um, so that was 2019. Uh, and then September, 2019, I passed the PDT and went to the investor and trader summit down in Orlando, which is Sykes's conference. Um, which hopefully we can have one this year, you know, permitting any regulations or whatever. Uh, but that was huge for me. Um, I went down, I stayed with Jack, Kyle and Dom. We got an Airbnb together and I met Bowen, uh, which got me involved more with just the stay trade podcast. Uh, I ended up actually writing, um, like ghostwriting sometimes for some blogs, the Sox trade blog and stuff. Um, and for me, like, it was just injecting myself in that environment and moving away from software engineering. Cause I was like, man, I don't want to do this, but I wasn't profitable enough at the time. This was my senior year of college. And I, I, like, I had $25,000. I can't really, you can't live off that. I mean, I could move in with my parents, but like, it's just not enough money to live on. Um, but then into 2019 and 2020 uh, is when the market like really started heated up. We had all those COVID runners. We had sector after sector. We had stimulus, everything went to the moon. Uh, and I rode basically the momentum like the whole time. 
Uh, there were some pivotal moments. It was up and down. It slowed down a little bit in the summer, like it always does. Uh, but then, you know, it started 2021, specifically in the OTC market. That's when the OTCs just went like absolutely bananas. Um, and then turned February, like I think my, my best month was like, or my best week was definitely the peak of the market in February, um, February, 2021, the second week I made, I don't know, like $430,000 that week. It was just, it was madness. But from there, like immediately I noticed a change. Like as I was selling a lot of these positions, I was like, the market is shifting. And like, since I've been in the game for like going on four years now, uh, like I've seen like traders come and go. And one of my goals was just like, like, yeah, I had an awesome run. Um, but it is very easy to give back a lot of these gains. I didn't want to be that one hit wonder. So immediately like wired out like 80, 90% of my funds, my trading accounts are currently at like levels that like I had in like fall of 2019, very small. And it's not because there's not opportunities out there. It's just the market's different. Like trades are different. There's still plays every day and I'm, I'm, I'm trading. I'm just trading with a lot smaller size than I originally was. Um, so I guess that's the taking it easy. It's a lot more stressful or a lot less stressful trading with the smaller size now. Um, and I'll gear it back up, but I was pretty burnt out come like March, basically, basically the whole month of March, I was just exhausted. So I didn't trade much that month. Yeah. Uh, now here we are. Yeah. Which is a favorite, you know, I, I love what you did there. Uh, you know, one of Steven's favorite quotes that, that he's brought to the podcast that, that I've stolen as well is, you know, with trading, it's not what you make, it's what you keep. So I tell Absolutely. you that, 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 that's so amazing. I love that you did that. Cause I mean, listen, you've still got enough in your account. You've got the skills you can, and especially if, you know, if you margin up, you can hammer something, but it removes that temptation. And, and again, if you, it, it, it keeps you from getting crazy aggressive and then, Hey, mm -hmm. things change if things, you know, which I mean, listen, I'm hoping things stay a little slower for a few months, but if things, <laughs> if things come back in the fall, you wire back in and you get back after it. But, but I think a lot of people make that mistake where they have a lot of that success and then they just keep trying to hammer it when it's not there. And then all of a sudden they got too much size and the losses beget, be, get bigger. And then all of a sudden, you know, back to that quote, it's not what you make, it's what you keep. So, well, Matthew, what do you attribute your wisdom to not hammer the market now? if you know that it's shifted, like how, how did you step into that kind of like acceptance is the way it is? Yeah. Um, I think it probably originally, like there's multiple steps probably just from over the years, but originally like, um, like I've seen people just blow up the money and I didn't want to be one of them. I was like, that'd be the worst thing to do in the world for sure. Yeah. Um, following that best month or best week ever in February, like the following week, um, I didn't lose a ton. I think I lost a couple thousand dollars, but like from going just from that high to all of a sudden the next week losing money, I was like, man, like something definitely just changed. Like, I don't feel any different, but like, I'm just not making money. So that's when I started wiring out. Uh, Kim, I know I talked to you, I think almost a year ago. Um, we had like a little coaching call, which was huge. And like, I mean, you definitely helped me just like point in the right direction. Um, I want to say like, I still was like, at that time grappling i had a software engineering job offering um which i didn't end up taking uh i went a different route more in just the marketing space uh but like if i would have taken that software engineering job like my life would just be totally different i probably would have still been able to work remote and trade a little bit but the responsibilities like would not have been as flexible like it just in, as a marketing role uh like i can basically like do, I can trade when I want to trade and I can market when I want to market. And yeah, like I work weird hours and, but I'll work, you know, 12, 14 hours a day. I don't really care. Cause it doesn't really feel like work. Cause I'm just enjoying it a lot more. Um, and yeah, just at this point, just trying to, I'm not done. Don't, don't count me out everybody, no way. But, no way. <laughs> but we're just, um, we're taking a step back, like trying to let what happened over the last year happen because it was, it was surreal to experience. Uh, and then we'll get back after it. Uh, well, I mean, whenever I've, the market shifts, like, I, yeah, I talked to, you know, I, I already mentioned a couple minutes ago, but I talked about it this morning on one of the webinars. It was like, I mean, 2020, I am like positive was the least amount of books I've read in my life. I'm, I'm like, 
I know it was like, you know, I mean, many listeners know I'm a, I'm an outside guy. 2020 without a doubt was the least amount of time I spent outdoors. I mean, it's like, and, and again, you know, like, like I know what you, what you're saying there, Pete, you're like, you're, as you're saying it, you're like, people are probably listening. Oh, thinking, you know, oh, mass retired or something. It's like, no, it's like, God damn it. Let's just take a little bit of a break. I mean, it's yeah. like, especially after 2020, it's just like fucking madness, man. So what, what what's your day, Matt, though? Because like, I think a lot of people think that they're grinding, right? And a lot of people are like, put it on Twitter. And I used to be guilty of this as well. They're like, oh, I'm grinding, I'm grinding, I'm grinding. But I don't think people really understand what hard work actually is. So for someone who is a true bona fide, genuine grinder, can you describe the day that you would normally undergo? Yeah, uh, I'll describe my day like today, for example. It's a lot different than what it was, you know, two, three months ago. Two, three months ago, like come market open to market close, even after hours, I would not leave my trading screens. And then any work I had to do or whatever, uh, I would just do after hours because like, I remember Bowen saying it, maybe it was pre-market prep or one of his webinars. He was like, it's like a bus stop. Every five minutes, there's another trade coming. And that's literally what it was for like 10 months straight. Like you, like, yeah, you could take a break and just catch the next bus. But like, I wanted to catch all the buses. So (laughs) like, it was exhausting. Um, But nowadays, um, like I, so between trading and just the job I have, I got to balance my time a little bit and then also like relax in the evening. So I wake up pretty early, um, nothing crazy, like 545 and go to the gym because like, that's basically my only option uh, to go to the gym. So I go to the gym in the morning and then uh, I head over to uh, the office we have in uh, downtown Austin. Uh, I'm in the podcast studio, which is really cool. So come check it out, everybody. Uh, But uh, then I usually, I'll trade the open. Uh, I'm in the small cap rocket chat room and I always make sure to outline my watch list, which again is a lot smaller than it used to be. But like, there's like two or three plays like that are definitely worth watching like every day for, you know, we might get a squeeze or something. Yeah. So I'll trade for the first hour, hour and a half. Um, I'm on central time. So that's like 10 AM. And then I'll just like take a break from my screens, um, chill a little bit. Uh, I'll do some, my marketing work. And then I'll come back. Um, we have a Q&A hour at noon my time. Um, so I'll answer any questions that anyone's got. Um, scan for the afternoon. Um, I actually haven't scanned for this afternoon, but it wasn't. there was nothing crazy this morning. So I'm not super hopeful for that this afternoon. If there's something, I'll trade it uh, just casually. Uh, and then just finish out just marketing work. I'll hang out. Uh, we have a ping pong table. I'm getting pretty good at it uh, until nice. market close. And then... Uh, I'll usually head home roughly like four or five central time. And then just, you know, uh, nowadays I can get most of my job job done during those hours because I'm just trading so much less. Uh, and then I'll take some time to like, try to enjoy life a little bit. The weather is much, much nicer here in Austin than where I'm originally from in upstate New York. So it's nice to be able to like go outside, you know, before August or whatever it is in New York when summer finally comes. (laughs) Matthew, what do you think are the top three completely incorrect presumptions you had when you came into trading that you've now been like slapped across the face and woke up like, holy crap, that is so not true. Um, First one definitely would be, and I think everyone thinks this, and I mean, that's probably what draws a lot of people to trading is you can just get rich like overnight, basically. And I know like if you just skim over and don't do a lot of research, it probably looks like I got rich overnight and that's just not the case. And that's what it looks like to the outside, but yep. it takes a lot of work. Um, so that's the first one. And yeah, like, I'm glad I got into trading because I was like, Oh, I can get rich super quickly. But then I quickly was like, Whoa, like it, it doesn't work like that. Um, and people still do it. Like the Doge coin is the <laughs> most latest. I think example. three years is pretty freaking quick. Yep. But what it sounds like is you're saying it's not overnight and it's going to take a lot of hard work. But three years is still shorter than 50 for a company that maybe doesn't give you even a gold watch anymore. True. No, I mean, that's a great perspective. Unfortunately, like the just the world we live in, people are just like, again, I'll go back to Dogecoin. They'll just throw their life savings into it and they'll be like, I can just like retire tomorrow. And like, doesn't work that way. Maybe like a handful of people will make a ton of money on that, but most people are just going to lose because they're just going to think it's going to go to a dollar, which it probably, I don't know. Elon Musk keeps tweeting about it and he's sending it to the moon. So who knows? Uh, but like, 
it's just one of those things like you get caught holding the bag you're gonna lose money and that's why people quit because they just lose money too quickly um do you not think it's crazy though that someone will lose two hundred dollars on a trade and feel physically sick but then they'll put ten thousand dollars in dogecoin and just expect it to work uh, <laughs> like where's where's yeah. the math in that though like this is what i'm saying no for real i mean honestly like my perspective's even really thrown off like I can't go to a store and spend a hundred or two hundred dollars, but I'll risk five hundred or a thousand on a trade without even like a second thought. So, yeah, yeah, no, it's, yeah. is a weird thing. Um, let's see. The next one uh, would probably be like the. I guess this could go a couple ways. Like that trading, like you need to be there, like all the time, and that does help. Uh, but like you can just adjust your expectations and you can adjust your strategies. There's, there's infinite ways to make money in the market. So whatever works for you, um, like if you can only put in an hour or two a day, like that's fine. Just realize probably not going to figure it out for several, several years, like five years. And like, you just have to adjust those expectations. Now, if you're fortunate enough to put in the eight, 10, 12 hours a day, like that's going to speed it up. Maybe you'll get it in two or three years. Like that's, that's possible. And if you don't like everyone learns different speeds. So just like keep grinding at it. Um, I don't remember where I was going with this. Basically I was like, you can just trade, like there's no, there's no one right way to do it. I think is what I was trying to get at. Like figure out what works for you, figure out what works for your schedule. You can swing trade. Um, I've been trading crypto a lot and we can talk about that more later, but that opens a whole new door for people. There's no PDT rule. There's trading 24 seven. Um, that doesn't mean you should trade 24 seven, but it's an option to you. Uh, you can trade on the weekends. Um, and like what I've been seeing is just the liquidity and the number of players involved is to a point, And it's probably just going to get higher where like you can more or less actively trade crypto. Um, I don't trade Dogecoin or any of those Shiba Inu coin or <laughs> any of those stupid coins out there. Um, I'm mostly sticking to like legitimate cryptocurrencies that, and then just trading the patterns. I don't really care what the coin or company does. It's the same attitude I have about penny stocks. Like I'm just looking to take a quick move, move on to the next. I think I owe you one question. more. Oh, go ahead, Steve. Uh, got a big question anyway. Sorry if I'm in the room, but how much of the stock market trading skills that we've learned trading stocks how much of those technicals because fundamental i guess it's totally different but how much of the technical skills transfer across a ton um the crypto market is probably closer i'd say to like the otc market than like the nasdaq market just because of how it's set up i know it's electronic but like the whole decentralized factor that stuff ends up trading closer to otc stocks than nasdaq you'll get those really big like euphoric supernovas as everyone's trying to get in and like the networks clogged up or whatever and the same thing like all it takes uh it happens like once a week if not more on bitcoin still like one big person to just sell and like bitcoin will collapse five ten percent and then it'll recover over the next couple of days but uh those type of like really quick volatile movements um that are more so in otc stocks um and then in terms of technicals for me it carries over very well basically all I'm just a breakout buyer. Like if you want to just boil it down to as simple as it can possibly be, I look to buy breakouts in penny stocks and I look to buy breakouts over in crypto. Uh, so in terms of the technicals of the breakout, like it's pretty, pretty much the same. There's some caveats to it. Um, I kind of think of like the easiest way to think of it is the Bitcoin is like the S and P 500. So when Bitcoins get down, your altcoins or other coins are going to be down. Uh, it's something to be aware of. I, I don't trade Bitcoin often just because the volatility on that's slowing up a little bit. Uh, it's just chopping around this range. But when Bitcoin takes a pull or Bitcoin will break a resistance and go to new highs, you'll see a lot like more strength or weakness depending on what it is in the altcoins. So it's something to just keep away, an eye on. And obviously we can, we can go short for the short sellers. We can short these altcoins. We can go along these altcoins. And in terms of commissions and fees and structures, I know like, it's been very easy to trade stocks recently. Is, is it the same case where it's it's commission-free for, for these coins or? No, it's not. Uh, and it depends on what exchange you have. Um, I, I mostly use Coinbase and Coinbase Pro, uh, but that's because where I live, both like 
whether I'm using my parents' address in New York or Texas, like you can't use Binance. And Binance is probably one of the better ones. Uh, it gives you just the most options um, and the commissions are a lot lower. But unfortunately, I'm just in a situation where I really can't use them. And I know there's going to be some comment like use a VPN or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but for like my tax purposes, right. like I'm in a bracket where I can't really do that. So, <laughs> so therefore I will not be using a VPN. Um, so I, I use Coinbase and Coinbase Pro and their commissions can be more expensive. Um, ways around that a little bit. Uh, cryptocurrencies have these cool things where you can just convert from one coin to another instead of just straight up selling for cash. Um, obviously that comes with some difficulty because there needs to be a decent coin for you to flip your profits into, but you can avoid commissions for a long period of time just by converting from coin to coin rather than selling back to cash. Um, so yeah, so that's what I end up doing. Uh, and I mean, like my breakouts are... I've adopted kind of a different strategy there where I'll be like my average hold time for a stock might be like an hour or two. I'm pretty quick. Uh, but like these cryptos, I'll just use smaller size uh, because like they trade during the night and I don't want to take a huge <laughs> loss while I'm sleeping. Uh, <laughs> and that way I can hold it for a longer period of time for multiple days. I'd won over the last weekend. Um, the ticker was RLC was the coin. Um, Again, I don't know what they do and I don't really care, but they just uplisted to the uh, NASDAQ. That's funny. They just uplisted <laughs> to Coinbase, um, which is huge because then for a lot of people, like it just opens up a huge door of liquidity for these. Well, companies. it's almost um, like it's, it's funny. You said uplisted the NASDAQ, but it's almost yeah. like an OTC uplisting the NASDAQ. Because I mean, I mean, still to this day, there's a lot of people that you know whether what well, i mean listen Robinhood still doesn't allow otcs so it's like yep. you get something like mmedf or whatever you know this mushroom play that uploads uplists to the nasdaq so now everybody's excess excited you get the buyers it's kind of the similar situation when it goes to coinbase because totally. now you're reaching a whole nother marketplace you know absolutely uh and that's like basically my mindset into it um so it was a friday rlc uplisted which I don't know if that was a coincidence, but basically every Friday you can pinpoint spikes in Bitcoin when like the market closes and then the only game in town is cryptocurrency. Yeah. I, I, it's a, like, like three day weekends, holiday weekends. It's like, yeah. go, go all in crypto on Friday night on a three day weekend, which I'm joking, exactly. but I'm, jo but I'm joking to a certain extent. <laughs> Because, you know, don't, you know, especially if you're new, don't do that. But just watch crypto <laughs> on three-day holiday weekends. And it's like, yep. it's it's because all the degens are like, well, it's Absolutely. four o'clock. It's four o'clock. <laughs> what now? You know, yeah, La last thing I want to do is like go outdoors or talk to my family. I'm going to trade some crypto. Correct. No, that's <laughs> literally exactly what happens. Um, so I got uh, just like a news alert that this crypto is uplisting RLC. I just quickly flipped over to Coinbase Pro, saw it, um, and I bought it like 420. Um, I don't remember how many coins, uh, but I threw like $30,000 into it. And then um, I, I was like, I'll just swing it for a couple of days. Usually these things get some absolutely wild spikes. Uh, and then I sold it a couple of times, but come Sunday morning, uh, I'm sitting at brunch with my girlfriend and I just pull it up because I'm a degenerate. What do you do when you're at brunch on a Sunday? You trade crypto, right? <laughs> exactly. So I pull, I pull it up and it's at like $18 a coin. Oh, and I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, I was like, give me out of this thing. Like, um, so I ended up buying at four and I sold some at like 11, 12, uh, Saturday. And then eight, it was at 18 come Sunday morning. Uh, and I, I think my best sell was like 1888. Um, it peaked out around 20 and has since pulled back. Uh, so it was a really good time that I just looked at my device. Uh, but it was tough to fill. Like the liquidity was crazy. And it was just one of those euphoric moves that I was talking about because everyone was like, this is the next thing, blah, 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 whatever, whatever they think when they're buying these things. Um, and I was just trying to get out of my position. And I ended so up making like, I think it was 189% on my initial investment in like two days, which is just... The crypto space is the wild, wild west. It's crazy right. over there. So that being said, you know, and we got plenty more to talk about, but this would be a good point to, to talk about a project you're working on. One of the big reasons we got you on. So you just, you got everybody excited. Everybody's going to be like, I want to buy something at four and sell it at 20 <laughs> at brunch, you know, but, but that being said, 
um, explain the project you're working on in the crypto space. And, uh, you know, we'll obviously give the link, but we'll link it in the podcast. We'll link it, et cetera. But we'll talk about what you've been working on. So, yeah. Um, so we'll link it. I actually just met up with Tim Sykes to record um, a little video for you guys explaining it. But me and Kyle Williams sat down and we are doing a live crypto trading boot camp. Uh, it should be a pretty unique perspective because Kyle's been involved in just the crypto space for a long time since like basically, I think before this 2017 run. So he, oh, wow. okay, cool. yeah, so he's got this mindset of like a hodler, like he <laughs> holds coins for the long run, uh, and his trading styles, like very different. He, he invests in every coin thinking it's going to go to zero and then he'll get huge, huge percent returns during these bull runs on the coins that work, which is drastically different than what I do. Um, but he's had a ton of success doing that. I think uh, Binance coin he owns from like $2 and it's over 600 right now, which is just, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what percent that is, but it's a lot. So um, that's his style. Uh, and then my style is just the more like day trading slash like swing trading for a couple of days, these crypto breakouts, because that's where the momentum is. Um, so it's 14 days live. We'll probably do a bonus Q and a day or two um, out there for the new members. Uh, so that is what we're doing. Um, so yeah, like sign up and you can learn everything about crypto. Uh, on top of that, there will be, um, just a newsletter service where you can see the trades I will actually be taking. Um, roughly, you know, there's probably going to be like one a week, uh, two a week is pretty much what I've been seeing in the crypto space. Unless we go through, you know, people are leaving penny stocks and going to crypto. So it's getting pretty wild over there. I think it's a great time, you know, you know, again, obviously we're, we're here to help you, you know, get this project off the ground. But I mean, I, it's, it's an interesting shift out there, but now, I mean, we see OTCs just going wild and stuff, but like, when you think about like the, the, the NASDAQ penny stocks, I mean, it's not much going on right now. I mean, it's all these five, six, $10 ones. And I think that, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting. I, I definitely think you sh- listen, if you're interested in trading, you should be checking this out. You should be building your skills and Hey, maybe, maybe crypto goes away. I don't know, but it doesn't look like it's going anywhere anytime soon. And kind of back to Matt's point of when he was learning and then he's got the skill base in 2020 happens. You know, I just, I just, I just think that cat's out of the, out of the bag and, and, no matter who is what this course is it, for Matthew, like, would it be for somebody who doesn't understand crypto at all? Or is it for more sophisticated players? Yeah, great question. Um, so that's why we include included the boot camp with the newsletter service, uh, because we'll take you like same way if you took the 30 day boot camp I did with Sykes. Um, this one will take you if you've never traded crypto before, you have no idea what's going on. Uh, like we start off pretty basic on the first couple of days, just explain what the space is. Uh, the players in the game, the brokers, um, that sort of thing to just introduce you to it. Uh, Kyle then goes through um, some more of the complex stuff that I don't really deal with. But again, if you're interested in like investing in these companies for the long term, um, like safety of crypto coins, which is a big thing, especially if you're trying to hold them for a long time. um, And just his strategy, the differences between like the technologies um, and more just a fundamental approach. Yeah. Uh, and then towards the end, we move more over just my style, um, which is like how I find these plays, um, the setups I'm looking for, uh, like, and then when I'm in them, like how I manage my risk and then take profits. So like, if you're totally new to this space, uh, the boot camp should be able to fill you in and get you up to speed. Uh, and then if you're more complex and you've been like holding coins for a long time, like Kyle, for example, um, I think there's a ton of opportunity and just like short-term days, couple day training these crypto coins. Um, because like I was saying, like a lot of people are getting involved into it. And uh, what's funny enough is like when I was doing some research for this back in 2016, uh, what like kind of started just the madness was Dogecoin. Um, and I'm not saying it's going to happen again, but Dogecoin ran, when you look at the chart, it looks irrelevant now because it's run so much, but it was kind of the first crypto supernova People had access to it. And then over the next year is then 2017 when we had just that incredible Bitcoin run to 20,000. Uh, and I think there's some parallels that can be drawn to what's happening this year. Like Dogecoin got a lot of people in the door into the crypto space um, that may have already been in stocks, but now they're looking at crypto. And we're seeing um, 
like I trade altcoins, but like there's kind of like shit coins is what people call them, which basically are just scams. But like people are like throwing money into them. They're whole, they're basically playing like lottery tickets and there's stories out there of people making a million dollars on a super small investment. But again, for every one person who does that, there's thousands that lose. And that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to like use trading strategies that I've learned from penny stocks and apply them to the crypto market. And it's a great, it's a great idea. I'm so glad about the class. I, I probably want to participate because I want to understand it more. Very, very long time ago in New York, I had, uh, it was probably when I was coaching for free outside the stock exchange, there was a small, like, uh, empty space that was rented by Bitcoin. And there was a salesman in there. And, you know, I kept seeing him because I was out there every week. And he was like, I'm telling you, Bitcoin, I'm telling you. And, I, and to this day, I'm like, shit, I should have bought it back then. It was like, you know, 13, 14 years ago. But he kept trying to explain it to me. And we'd get interrupted by tourists, you know, who were visiting this space. It was like one of those spaces that didn't have a permanent tenant. So they were in there until they got a permanent tenant. It was, you know, a small space to the left of the stock exchange. And I, part of me was like, I think this guy might be crazy. And then I also was like, maybe he's crazy like a fox. And we kept having tourists interrupt us. So I never had the full thread. But anyway. I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking uh, Kim met Satoshi right there. You think? Yeah, you might have. Do you think so? I, I, I think, it's a know. possibility. <laughs> What does Satoshi um, look like? I remember what he looked nobody like. Nobody knows. Only you tell us, Kim. You, uh, only you know. Only you know. Everyone else thought he was some crazy panhandler. You met Satoshi. So you you need to he tell us in, what he He was in an office. It was not, it was like an office space for events, like a gallery, almost like an art gallery. You know, not the best suit, I have to say, you know, which is probably why I was like, this guy legit but the passion man the passion that's what pulled me in i was like this crazy guy. people crazy people are always very passionate so yeah it's true but sometimes <laughs> you know, sometimes those are the people that you know they're the, the ones the people have. the people who are crazy enough to believe that they can change the world are often the ones that do sounds like Correct. a steve jobs quote Correct. i just made it up right now i don't think it's a steve jobs no quote. you stole that from steve jobs <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. Mr. Colony as a philosopher. <laughs> so Matt, like if someone wants to get into it, what can they do like now? Like what, what's a couple of tips, a couple of steps now before the, the bootcamp comes out? Oh, good question. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, first, like start like just watching the, the crypto space. Um, Bitcoinwisdom.io is the website. That one's pretty good. Um, it doesn't have all the coins, but like, it's pretty real-time chart. And if you're used to stock charts, like it's a pretty good chart to look at. Um, and just familiarize yourself with like how it's trading um, and try to like, you know, I would encourage everyone to try to figure out patterns or whatever's working for them or whatever you're seeing. Uh, you don't have to trade it, but just trying to see how they trade is definitely important. And like I was saying, I think you should like kind of watch how, like when Bitcoin pulls or Bitcoin spikes, what happens to the altcoins. Um, cause that was a learning curve for me too. Like Bitcoin might pull back 2%, which doesn't seem like anything, but then like, if you're in altcoins at the wrong time, that might be a 20, 30, 40% pullback, uh, because the moves are just so drastic compared to like Bitcoin. Um, I don't know if it's algorithms or people panicking, doesn't really matter, but the moves are crazy. So that'd be my first tip. Uh, I do do some research on like crypto brokers for the U S um, there's a lot of restrictions. It's pretty tough. Um, like for you, Steven, you can probably pretty much sign up anywhere. Uh, but for us people, um, Binance is a pretty good one. The fees are manageable. Uh, another one's Gemini. That's the Winklevoss twins. Uh, they own that one. That one's pretty good too. Pretty comparable to Coinbase. Coinbase is probably like the easiest one to sign up with. Um, but again, like you use that one, the fees are going to be a little bit higher. Uh, but in terms of getting started, like super basic um and it's basic, well and, and hopefully yeah, safe. And safe i mean i mean yeah that's that a too. nice thing you know and that's what i tell most people is you know especially if you're just kind of getting to know things and, and figuring things out i mean it's it's a lot like getting started on stocks don't fixate on the fees i mean it's like it's like listen you got to figure out how to trade first okay yeah i know right. it sucks to look at your statement and be like ah but but you know at least coinbase is safe you can kind of figure things out 
you know, hopefully they're safe and not going to shut down in the middle of the night. But, but, um, but, but ultimately, whether it be stocks or crypto, get, you got enough to learn. I, I think people get so distracted by fees, yeah. fees, fees. It's like, man, you just Pennywise, learn how to trade first. Foolish. You know, exactly. Penny, Pennywise and pound foolish. Yeah, yeah. So, because you don't want to have to be figuring out all that other stuff just they give they're they're charging you so you can have it simplified yeah, and, and i get you know because i get those questions all the time and it's like people mm-hmm. like i mean people are clueless but they're asking all these questions about fees and i'm like man you're spending all your time on this you know yeah, i do a yeah. q a and you want to ask about i mean maybe ask about you know how to you know you know what is float you know what what's a chart pattern you know what what, what how do you you know break down in this i mean why are you taking this time to fixate on? Anyway, I get a little ranty on that. It's like all right, people... <laughs> here's a question for all three of you guys. Mara, why why was it that I took Mara over that swing trade that that was going to go up because Bitcoin was going up? So you're number one. You're going back a little bit. This is a couple months ago. So yeah. you know, basically historically, now they have started to disconnect because everybody's tired of the crypto stocks just like they're tired of weed stocks. Uh-huh. But historically, up until recently, the you know, because Mara is a stock, remember that? They're a company, okay? Right. They're not a cryptocurrency. Right. But in the past, you know, again, up until recently, whenever the cryptos would run, particularly Bitcoin, the crypto, the crypto-related stocks would crypto run. Related. So when we were doing that on podcast and we were talking about Mara, that was when Bitcoin was, you know, push when it was first pushing like 50, 60,000 going back a couple months. What is crypto related? So that is a company, a stock that's in the crypto space. So, so they're doing mining, et cetera, you know, like Riot, Mara are two of the main ones. When you're talking a cryptocurrency, okay, this is magic money. Okay. Decentralized, you know, nobody owns it. Nobody regulates it. It's all in the cloud, basically. It's in the ether. So, and it's all magical. And you just hope that they don't steal all your money in the night. <laughs> <laughs> um, just, just a step away from crypto, Matt, because I think it's you're the best person to answer this question. So, you, I mean, I think you're known as a great breakout buyer. You are a great breakout buyer. One of the best I've seen when I see your charts. OCGN wasn't a breakout, but it was just the sickest read. Um, But I just wanted to ask you, a lot of breakouts don't work. And a lot of people try and buy breakouts in the the lose, right? So what is it that you're doing differently that makes you such a good breakout buyer? Sure. Yeah. Uh, A couple things. Uh, First, probably how I define a breakout. A lot of the times uh, people have this conception, they have to buy it like over highs, like over like a former high. And for me, it's more important, like how it got to those highs, uh, maybe some key levels around those highs. Um, This honestly dates back to, I think Roland did a webinar or maybe it's one of his YouTube videos. He was talking about this um, where you can look at like a five minute chart and like, who cares really if, a stock has a morning spike and trades at we'll call it $5 for like 10 seconds. And there's really not that much volume up there uh, where if like $4 and 50 cents, it was clearly at a resistance level for like several hours. It topped out there maybe three, four times for me, the breakout then is at $4 and 50 cents. It's not at $5. So a lot of the times right off the bat, my entry will be maybe around 450 and these breakout buyers will be buying at $5. So I'm already up over 10% on my initial position because I bought over what I would consider a more significant level. Um, so that's probably step one. Uh, step two, um, something I got really good at and why I was, I think, able to lock in some just like really big gains over the last couple of months was anticipating breakouts and then like sizing into them. Um, and granted, like your win rate is probably going to go down if you do this. Uh, but what I would do is like, we'll call it an ABCD pattern because it's basically the same thing, just series of higher lows grinding back up to that breakout. Uh, usually after the first couple, uh, if it has a morning spike and then consolidates a little bit and then it's got some series of higher lows through that midday, um, I'll be there on every single dip, um, just like risking the previous dip. 
Uh, and it's a pretty aggressive strategy to do and the market needs to be in your favor. I does not, doesn't work great now. I'm a little like wider risk, but doing that, um, consistently adding on those dips and assuming the lows are continuously higher, uh, you can keep like the same dollar amount risk. And then all of a sudden your size is four or five, six times larger than if you were to buy at the breakout, or maybe you just bought that first dip. Uh, and again, your win, like, I think my win rate dropped doing this from like 65% to maybe like 50. But when I got a winner, it was like 10 times larger than like what I would have done. Um, and it is, it can be stressful because all of a sudden, like if you glance at your position size and you're like, holy crap, like I'm holding a hundred thousand shares of this stock. <laughs> um, like that's scary, but you have to go in with the mindset, like, no, like I'm moving up my risk. I'm cutting at this level if it's wrong. And like I'm saying a couple of times, you'll, you could get shaken out. And like, I do get shaken out, but when breakouts are working and it's in your favor, um, what could be like, you know, a thousand dollar win will all of a sudden turn into a seven, eight, nine, $10,000 win, um, because you were able to size into the play correctly. Uh, and also going into that, like if the breakout fails, um, your risk like is pretty tight and like pretty uniform. Um, one quote that really stuck with me over the years was from Huddy. Uh, I'm mentioning a lot of people, which I think is another point, uh, is like learn from everyone. It takes, it uh, takes a village. Takes a, takes a village like like take notes from everyone no one's right even if you're long by a trader learn from the short sellers because like a lot of my trades these days i'm like man if i was a short seller i would be in trouble if i was in this <laughs> position so then i go long instead um, and like more times than not it works uh, but the quote was how do you said it and it was like in order to be a consistent winner you need to be a consistent loser yep. um which is huge uh, and the way he meant that was if you're loss that you've determined is good for you is a hundred dollars. That means every loss should be a hundred dollars, you know, give or take a couple bucks for slippage or fees or whatever, but that doesn't mean you should have a $500 loser thrown in the bunch because once you start doing that, it is very hard to be profitable because that one loser will like wipe out so many gains. Um, and I broke down this mathematically at some point, but like, say you're risking a hundred dollars and you're trying to just baseline when, three times more than you're risking. Uh, it only takes 25% win rate to be break even, which means yeah. like you have three losers that are hundred bucks. You just lost three. That's $300. my rule of five. You stole it from me, man. Yeah. And then well, it takes a village, man. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have the one winner, which is $300. You've lost, you've only won one trade. You lost three and you break even. Yeah. Um, and that's really what it comes down to. And then after that, like, if you want to get really complicated, it, your choices are like how to be profitable. You can either increase your win rate uh, or increase your risk reward. Like instead of three to one, it's five to one. Uh, and that's different for each strategy. Like yeah. there's nothing wrong with a 25% win rate. If your winners are 20 to one, like exactly. it really exactly. doesn't matter. <laughs> that, 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 that's, that's short selling one one man. You know, what is you, you, you have a terrible, <laughs> terrible win rate. But as long as your one win is a thousand times bigger than your losses, you're good to go. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. not even I'm not even a good trader. I just haven't been found out yet. <laughs> <laughs> haven't talked that big loss yet. <laughs> I shouldn't joke that? on that touch wood. Touch yeah, wood. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> What's that Risk win reward rate? Is on point. Why then? Why do you think there's so much focus on the win rate? Ego. 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 And I, people well, don't like I to lose. Yeah, yeah, people like winning money. Yeah, people love making money every yeah. day. Like, who wants to lose? It really keep, sucks. But Kim, you that's lose. your specialty. Yeah. It's like, huh? I mean, I mean, people, people, you know, again, you don't need a crazy win rate, but people want a crazy win rate, especially yes. newer. That you know, like back to Huddy's quote. You know, you you gotta you gotta be good at losing. You know, because if you're not good at losing, that, it doesn't work anymore. And and if your ego you know, won't let cooler. you, won't let you, and, and you fixate on, well, I don't want to lose. I don't want to lose. Well, yes. good, good luck. Yeah, good. Yep. But, but to, to a degree, it's unhealthy because like, say if you win six out of six trades, you post that straight on Twitter, that screenshot, six <laughs> out of six, all green. You get a little bit turned on by the attention, right? But what you're actually doing is a little bit unhealthy because if you're forcing a trade outside of the risk rewards, just to get that six out of six, not the five out of six, you're actually not trading that well. And once that discipline starts to slip, you force it a little bit more with the risk reward, then a little bit more, then something out of control happens and you take that bad loss that wipes out 10 good trades. It should have wiped out like one. Yep. Yeah. 
It's the measuring stick. It's the measuring stick. You choose to measure yourself by, and if you choose that one, you're not going to be setting yourself up for success. So so what do you measure yourself against? Like, sorry, Matt, this is your show. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just a little villager. You're the king of the village. Please. (laughs) (laughs) What do you measure yourself against? Is that the question? I mean, like, well, this concept of the win rate being ego driven. So, so what is, what did you use as your measuring stick around yourself? Like checking in on yourself, make sure your ego's not out of control. Um, yeah, I never focused on win rate. And for a long time, like I didn't focus on money, even though like, I mean, the sad reality is that at the end of the day, money is the ultimate leaderboard, uh, but money's different for everyone. It depends where you are. It depends what you want in life. Um, so for me, yeah, like I don't look at money now because then I'd look at someone like Jack and I had a great year and then Jack Kellogg, like five times to me and i was like okay cool bro like <laughs> for that um so i i think it's just uh you gotta focus on like if you're new the best thing to do uh is just like your process and like did you follow your trading rules um that's the best thing and like you can kind of like i hate to say this but you can kind of earn out of that but then like if you get too sloppy you're just gonna like you're gonna ruin it but when you're first starting you have like no margin of error you can't you need to stick to that trading plan every single time. And that's really what you should be measuring against. And circling back to win rate, uh, one good thing about like Profitly on there and all the stats they have is you can look at people's win rates and then you can flip through. Um, I was doing this the other day, just looking at some other traders. And I think Mark Crook's win rates like 51% or something. Like it's like super low, but like, why does it matter? I, like his winners are much, much bigger than his losers and he's crushed it. He had a great year too. Um, but like the average, like if you want to look at the average, like millionaire trader on there, uh, it's like 60 to 65%, like is, is the average win rate. Like, so it really doesn't matter. Um, it's tough when you're on Twitter and just involved in the social media. Cause like Steven was saying, someone can post that six out of six win. Uh, and then you're like, or someone can post a huge gain, but like, you don't know the backstory and then you get down on yourself. Um, so easier said than done, but you need to like figure out how to internalize it uh, and figure out who you want to follow, who you want to learn from. Uh, but really you have to figure out a measurement that's just like internal uh, that can keep you going and keep you interested and passionate and in the game. Um, yeah, that's basically what I got there. Well, Hey Matt, um, thank you. And, and uh, you know, to everyone out there, you know, I think definitely check out this boot camp by, by Matt and Kyle are both amazing traders. Very, again, two of those young guys, very inspirational. And, uh, you know, I think you should always be, you know, working on that toolbox and listen, I, again, I'm been very, ever since the resurgence of crypto kind of in 2020, I, you know, I've been saying the same thing. I mean, you need to figure out this space because I think both are going to stay, you know, I think, I, listen, I don't think stocks are going anywhere anytime soon, but um, this is definitely a tool in your tool chest. And, and listen, maybe you're in a different time zone or, you know, maybe you, you got a job where, where maybe, maybe you get some great job, but it's a, you know, nine to five and the boss is like, you ain't trading at least with crypto, you've got some options out there. And, uh, and ultimately it's, it's, uh, you know, like Matt said, it's, it's all the same psychology. I mean, it's like, you just want to be buying when everybody wants in and then you're selling, you know, you, you get those consistent rips. You're not greedy. You're not a hodler. You know, you're not waiting for four twenty sixty nine on Doge. You know, it's like, you get a nice move. You get a, a four to 18 move over a weekend. I mean, Matt, you know, again, at no point during the podcast, did you hear Matt say, well, you know, I thought about holding for 50. He's like, geez, this thing went from four to 18 in a day and a half taking profits. And that's what we do in penny stocks. It's, you know, it's like, we know what these things are. You get a nice move, you take it and you just look to repeat that over and over again. So, so uh, thanks, Matt. Thanks, Kim. Thanks, Steven. And uh, as always head over to steadytrade.com. We'll link to the bootcamp. You know, we'll link to Matt's other resources. You can check out everything. But if anything we mentioned will be linked there, um, we'll link it on the YouTube as well. But steadytrade.com is always the best place to get all those. We got the little write-up under each post. 
Thank you, Kim. Thank you, Stephen. Thank Can you, we Matt. say goodbye to Ella? Uh, oh, yeah. Ella left. I had someone oh, come in and take bad. her. Yeah, she <laughs> snores a lot when she sleeps, so I didn't want to interrupt the audio. <laughs> too bad, too bad. We'll have to have, maybe Ella will come on as a guest. Okay, we can have a little guest appearance coming up. That's fine. <laughs> I can do that. But All thank right. you for having me on. It was a pleasure, everybody. Uh, Thanks, nice to chat with you in person.